Tim Perry, Tim Perry, Tim Perry. Oh, Tim Perry is the name of my guest today. And yes, he is my friend. Yes, we met in Morocco. We we met in China. Actually, we, we had the interview in China. But we are talking today about Ecuador and his experience there. And um, I got to say, he is one of the most interesting and and fun and easygoing, committed and passionate teacher I've met in my life. So I hope you have a really good time listening to his funny, funky stories. And um, yeah, he is a source of light. So enjoy. Welcome, Tim Perry, teacher and coach living abroad for more than eight years. Eight years. It's crazy to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you've been like in pretty many continents, right? Yeah. I uh, Actually, when I started out, I said I want to teach and live on five continents in five years. Uh-huh. And? And I went to Ecuador and I stayed for two years. So that... Ruined the whole five-year thing. <laughs> and then I went to Morocco, so that was Africa, so that was good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went back to Ecuador, further messing up my plan for five mm-hmm. countries in five years. And then my very good friends came to China and said, Tim, <laughs> you should come to China. So I came to China, and I ended up living 3,000 miles <laughs> from them. <laughs> it was a mistake. I think... I think we were closer when you were in China and I was in Morocco. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, because we used to work in Morocco together. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say, you are the person who taught me the best English ever because you were the one to correct me all the time when I was making mistakes. And I remember you asked at the beginning, you're like, hey, do you want, do you want me to correct you? And I was like, yeah, okay, please. So, it, so thanks to it, you. I'm still making mistakes, but at less, way less than before. Well, the credit goes to you because... I say to almost all of my new friends after a while, do you want me to correct you? And most say, eh, okay. And you were like, oh, yeah, please, 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 please put it. <laughs> so all the credit goes to you because you were willing to, to listen. Thank you. Well, today we're going to talk about your experience in Ecuador, even if you you were, you were traveled and lived in so many different countries. And we could spend like days and days talking about all your experiences, but... But today is, is mainly about Ecuador because I feel it's it's such an interesting place to live in. And then I want to know how did you end up there? What was your choice? Like you're just like I'm, I'm heading out there. Boom. <laughs> yeah, Ecuador will always have a place in my heart. It was the first place I, I'd lived beforehand. I'd lived in uh, the UK and I lived in Austria. Uh, but when I decided I wanted to teach English in a foreign country. Ecuador was the first place I went, and the way I decided, I'd been teaching in Boston, and I had friends from all over the world, because my students came from all over the world, and so I put the word out, hey guys, I'm going to do five countries in five years, where should I go, why should I come to your country, and uh, you know, there are a lot of good reasons for different things, but my friend Andre, I only had one student in Seven years teaching English in Boston. I had one student from Ecuador, but he was awesome. Mm -hmm. And he said, Tim, in Ecuador, we use the U.S. dollar. We use the U.S. currency, so you don't have to change any of your plugs. (laughs) And and he said, uh, and the climate is fantastic, and we can go to the Galapagos Islands. So I was like, Ecuador it is. And in true Tim Perry sense, 
I forgot where he was living. So I booked my ticket for the capital, Quito. And I got there and I contacted him and he said, I'm in Guayaquil. Guayaquil <laughs> is on the Pacific coast. Uh, Quito is 4,000 meters up in the mountains. <laughs> so I, was, I knew nobody in the country. I got to see him after like five months. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. And what was your first impression of the country? What do you remember when like you got out of the plane? Uh, well, when I got, from, I think my first year there, I probably traveled in and out of Ecuador five times. Every time I landed, it was raining. So my first <laughs> impression was, oh, God, it's raining. Um, it was my first, definitely, it was dirty. It was run down. Uh, the airport, the old Quito airport was right in the middle of the city, mm -hmm. literally in the middle of the city. Um, so leaving there, but of course, it's, you know, you don't have the best neighborhoods next to the airport. And uh, so that was my impression as I was going. I had no place to live. I had a hotel reservation for two weeks. I thought, eh, two weeks I can find a place to live and a job. So that was my... Did it work in two uh, Well, the next morning I was walking around town and I was looking at street signs. I was looking at signs in stores and I didn't understand anything. And I thought, <laughs> maybe what I should do is learn a little Spanish before I try to find a job. So I decided I would take six months to learn Spanish and then uh, find work from that. And that worked out great. The second apartment I looked at, I moved into and I lived there for two years. I, I still have the house keys in my backpack because I have an invitation go to go back. They're like, yeah, come back anytime you can stay. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. And the first job you found was in the, um, the orphanage? It was the, volunteering. Right, volunteering. At my, my Spanish school, they did uh, volunteer work. So there are different things you could volunteer in. And I said, um, so they had this place. And, you know, they said, oh, it's a, not an orphanage, but a daycare, church daycare center. Okay. Uh, but in a very, very poor neighborhood. I was at... As I said, I was at 4,300 meters, and I had to go up another, like, 300 meters to find where this place was. This was right at the top of the, the mountain, yeah. And um, it wasn't to teach English. It was just sort of to watch over these kids. And the first room, they, they said, we have four rooms. And I said, okay, okay. And said, the first room is babies, like six months to 18 months. Mm -hmm. And I said... I don't want to wear. I don't like babies. I don't babies and cats. I don't like babies and cats because babies are all the same. And then uh, they went to the next room, and somebody said, "Oh, I want to do that room." Went to the next room. Oh, I want to do that. And I was like, "Good. I'll save myself for the oldest room, and I can teach some English and everything." So they said, "The this is the oldest kids, eight and nine. And I was like, "Oh, great. I'll do that." And they said, "Okay, great." And they opened the door, and there was a volunteer in there from a different agency and they said well the only place left is the babies go ahead in that room <laughs> <laughs> and you did it so you I did, did it, it. Yeah. I because of that I walked in and I didn't know what to do and I didn't speak Spanish and they didn't speak English and there's a baby on the ground just crying and crying and crying and I was like well let's see what I can do um I picked him up and he, he stopped crying a little, a little bit, and then he fell asleep on my shoulder. 
And that is the day I stopped hating babies. I fell in love with the Nelson. Oh, and that kid, I, I was there when he took his first steps. I was there when he first ate with a spoon. I just, I, it was an amazing experience. So, you know, the lesson, I, for my travels, that was probably the best lesson I could have learned early on, which is whatever happens to you, something good can come out of it. Mm, you know? yeah. Even if it's not what you were expecting at the beginning. Absolutely. Right? I yeah. thought, oh, this would be horrible. This would be horrible. But God, that boy. And I would walk in in the morning and he'd be crying and then he'd see me and he'd just hold up his arms. And during lunch, he wouldn't want to eat. And so I would, we'd have to feed the baby. So I would hold Nelson in my hand and feed the other babies and then feed him, feed the other babies, feed him. And then he'd just fall asleep on my shoulder. And I was like, oh, this kid, it was an amazing experience. So. so nice. And you did this for six months. Yeah. yeah. Six months. After like four months, I started putting out word to the people at my Spanish school, the people, you know, other people. I'm a teacher. If you know anybody who's, lo any schools that are looking for teachers, can you, you know, bring up my name and recommend me? And, uh. Eventually, one of my one of the teachers at the Spanish school went to church with the principal of the school that I ended up at, uh, and so I went in and interviewed and did six months there. And at the end of the six months, I was like, "Well, that's my year. It's time to go on to the next thing." And they said, "Tim, you're coming back next year, right?" And I said, "You want me back for another year?" <laughs> Doubting you're such a great teacher. Absolutely, yeah, you're but I didn't know. But it, you know, I was the only foreigner in the school. I was the only, and they're like, yeah, of course. And I said, yeah, okay, it's great. Yeah, I'll stay. And uh, the best decision I ever made, the best decision I ever made, it was to see those kids. I actually, those kids I had that first year in fourth grade, and that's why I ended up going back there after we met in Morocco. It was their last year. It would have been three years later, last year at the school, and the parents said, we'd really like Tim to be here for the kids last year. So, uh, yeah, it was one experience. It just... It's beautiful to see your connection with like, students from like from Ecuador, from Morocco, from like all over the world, too. Like I feel it, it makes you like such a better teacher to, to be able to connect with them. Absolutely. I think I definitely... One of the best things is to have that connection, uh, not only with the students, but with the parents. Um, yeah, because I coach as well. And we always say, you know, whatever you're coaching, if, they, if the kid has fun doing it, they want to get better. And uh, in Ecuador, it's interesting. There was, a, there was a parent who his kids, he had a son and a daughter, both in fourth grade. He's a really difficult parent. And he used to come in and he would look into my room and because uh, I was teaching second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, all the grades, teaching them just speaking. And uh, this parent would come in and look at my, you know, and say, you know, my kids don't have enough homework for speaking and they don't have this. And I tried to explain, well, I don't want them to think of English as a subject. I want them just to think of it as something they do because then they'll want to learn more. Yeah, no, he, oh, he was in a lot, not just complaining about me, but complaining about everybody else. Um, I come to find out he lived across the street from me. 
literally. Uh. I lived on one corner of an intersection. He and his family lived on another corner. Well, his daughter's birthday is in October. So this was I had two months of this. And she had her birthday, and she invited me. So I said, yeah, of course I'll come. <laughs> All the students, the parents, and one teacher. Uh, I, but what happened is I walk in, and all the kids come over to me and they're talking to me. Hey, Teacher Tim, Teacher Tim, look, look, watch. They were playing video games. I want to do this. Uh, and I just had a good time with them. And I talked some English with the parents because I couldn't speak Spanish. And uh, afterwards, when everybody, everybody left and her father came up to me and he said, I always ask my kids to speak English because his English was very good. And they never want to. And I never... I can never get them to speak English. He said, I heard them speak more English with you today than I've ever heard them speak in their life. He said, I can't believe their English is that good. I didn't know it was that good. And I and from then on, for the next four years, three years, we had zero problems because he, he understood, yeah. oh, the kids like him. He does activities with them. They want to speak English with him because I wasn't going to speak Spanish. So when you make that personal connection, it's so much easier to, to be able to teach them. And for me, I mean, I'm living in a different country. I had, I had no friends in Ecuador who weren't Ecuadorians. Yeah, I, I had, so that was like, that's something also when you choose like to live abroad, you know? Like if you think about it, like, oh, if you want to live like in, in Ecuador, you have to notice that there's not going to be a lot of, of people necessarily, but also... Like your decision was made kind of like, okay, I'm going. It was like a lot of uh, a lot of, uh, of, of guts. like to Yeah, or stupidity. Uh, one, one or the let's, other. Let's say that it was a bold and beautiful okay. choice. And uh, yeah, and you learned so much from that. And I think because of that also, you, your experience there was so much different because you got to, you got to be way more um, um, involved in the culture and you probably got a better understanding too. Well, that's that's it exactly. I didn't. I was is definitely a conscious choice not to try to make friends with expats, yeah. with Americans or Brits or whatnot. I knew them from the Spanish school, but even when they went out and did things, I said, "No, you know, maybe big activities, but if they're just going out." Uh, but because of that, I was free, and then parents would invite me to the house. Well, I went to birthday parties. I went to confirmations, first communions. Uh, you know, sometimes they just invited me to the house for dinner and I could spend, it's such a great experience to sit around for an afternoon and an evening and just, and I was just part of the family. They were talking to each other in Spanish and the kids loved it because they would just translate to English for me. Ah, you know? yeah, that's a great and, technique, uh, right? Oh, to get that right. Yeah. I used to speak English, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it was, I, I was just a hundred percent absorbed. Mm. I was for Christmas, for New Year's, for all these holidays, they just opened their homes to me, you know? And I didn't, I don't, I could have spent Christmas in America with my family. That would have been very easy. But the traditions in Ecuador are different. And so the opportunity to do that, the opportunity to stay out all night, oh my God. What was, okay, so what's the tradition for Christmas? Well, Christmas starts... Christmas Eve, and you open the presents at midnight. So there's you, you go to Mass at like 11 o'clock, mm -hmm. and you go, go back home, 
midnight, open the gifts, uh, eat a small meal, and then play. They have a talent show. One year, the family has moved. They had a talent show, and everybody did something. Uh, the other year, they just did, um, like, sketches or music, so it was yeah. a different thing. So, and then and at around 5 or 6 in the morning, we had breakfast, and then everybody takes a nap for a couple hours, and on you go. So, it's, uh, and then Christmas Day, you know, take the nap, and then there's a big formal meal. You dress up, you look mm -hmm. sharp, you look nice. Um, so, it's great. It's, yeah, it's very, it's similar, but... The differences were great to experience. And yeah, and also like you're like, you're you're just overwhelmed. You're you're surrounded by by people that yeah, that are cooking different food. That like the smells are different. Like the the TV shows if you're watching. Like I know like in in my in Canada sometimes we do watch like TV shows. Yeah. For Christmas or like New Year's. It's very interesting. I hadn't thought about, it, but you're absolutely right because growing up, of course, sitting here, if you said what's Christmas mean, and I would think about Oh, well, Christmas meat, you know, smell the turkey cooking in the oven and uh, the mint of the candy canes and things like that. But in Ecuador, it was totally different smells. It was, mm -hmm. a, whole, it was a whole different, you know, it's uh, chicharito, whatever. It was rice, it's pork. It's, yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it's close enough that it's familiar, mm -hmm. but it's different enough that it's exciting and, and new and it's a whole you get to look at the holiday differently than you have yeah. since you were a kid yeah you know when everything is exciting what are the other holidays that like would be celebrated there oh, I wish we celebrated Dia de los Muertes uh, oh, the movie yes yes Song of Death no um it's it's a boy's name it's like a la 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the boy plays the guitar yes. goes down Right, th that's Mexican, yeah. but it's the same thing. Dia de los Muertes is you the it's the day it's uh, November first. Uh, that's why we have Halloween. Yeah. Um, the dead come up yeah. from the grave. So in Ecuador, you go to the cemetery, you put food on the graves, but also to celebrate it, they make uh, guaguas. Guagua is like the native language for boy and it's just pieces of bread it's like a roll of pastry but it's mostly bread yeah uh that you and you get icing and you decorate it so it looks like a boy and so you decorate your boy and then yeah yeah, yeah. And you eat it yeah then you, just, so then you okay. eat it but okay. you also have a juice that's like pomegranate juice so it's just a red thick juice which kind of looks like blood but oh it's delicious <laughs> it's one of those things you only get at that time of year like you oh, know yeah. like pumpkin spice latte or whatever yeah, you know, yeah, it's just that year and so you're like whatever. every even if you don't want you're like no i have to get one now because you never in, know in a week it's gonna be gone i have to uh yes yeah, so it's a great holiday because it's again it's one of those things where everyone's celebrating and getting together and having a good time mm -hmm. every holiday involves food yeah. um but it's, it's it's so nice. It's a very Christian country. Uh, important so, to see. Yeah, yeah, so a lot of the holidays I was familiar with because it was um, because growing up in the U.S. But like um, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, mm. they the tradition in there, for whatever reason, it's the, they attack you with water. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So they have like 
water guns, buckets of water. You could be walking down the street and someone on the second floor will throw water out at you and okay. different things like that. It's, it is what it is. Um, but it's, it's great because yeah. that's, that's that celebration, you know? And it's, again, it's a holiday that I knew and it's a holiday that I understood. But yeah. it was totally different than anything I'd experienced. Top three food or holidays. Okay, well, I have to tell you about New Year's because okay, you New do. Year's was completely baffling to me. Okay. Uh, just after Christmas, everywhere on the street and everything, you saw, like, stuffed dummies yeah. from one foot, so from 30 centimeters to a meter tall. Okay. Right? Just stuffed with masks or paper mache people, and it was like Simpsons, superheroes, action figures. I could, I had no idea why all of these were now being sold on the street. I didn't know what, what's, 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 what's. Well, the New Year tradition is you get one of these and you can make it at home with old clothes or everything. Uh, you write your, you write the your resolution, pin it to the shirt or pin it to the, 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 dummy mm -hmm. and then at midnight you set the dummy on fire of new oh, year's new well, year's well, eve where where are you when you're you're like setting it in fire i'm a bit like worried now thank you for asking that and yes maybe you should be worried i celebrated this in two different towns in quito the capital and in baños which is this really mm -hmm. rural uh sort of adventure sport town uh, you burn these dummies in the street. You just go out to the curb and burn the dummies there. And for good luck, you jump over the dummy as it's burning. So at midnight... <laughs> no way! Absolutely. You jump over the... Oh, gosh, it's great. I love it. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Don't do this at home, though. Don't do this at home unless... Oh, yes, yes. Are... If you're listening, unless you're Ecuadorian, yeah. do not do this at home. It takes years of practice. Uh, depending on how crowded your neighborhood is, you could have one of these dummies, which is a little fire every 10 meters. You could have it every 50 meters or on like every street corner. Can you, can you jump over someone else's dummy? Oh, sure. Sure. You just run around jumping over everything. Awesome. <laughs> but in this town of Banos, it was absolutely crazy because... Every, it's like a touristy town, and there's mm. maybe 5,000 people who live there year-round. But it's filled with people coming in to do horseback riding, bungee jumping, canyoning, go-karts. You can rent go-karts and just drive them through the streets of town. It's great. Oh, but not on that day. Ecuador has a very low standard of safety. Yeah. <laughs> they don't really care about no. your safety, So, yeah. which is evident in this. So the streets are narrow. It's all... All the streets in Banos have, like, a wide enough for one car. They're all one way, all one car. New Year's Eve, the streets are filled. And because you don't have a roll, you'll just pile a bunch of these dummies. So you have, like, eight of them on top of each other with this giant bonfire. And then they sell fireworks to little kids. And you see little, like, they're Roman candles. But they'll shoot one thing out, and five seconds later, and now the And you see little kids... Five years old, get one. The dad hands it to him. He walks up to this bonfire of eight dummies burning in the middle of the street. And the kid will reach it in to light it on fire. And then turn back and walk it back at you. And you're like, no, no, no way. And the dad holds it up and it shoots up in the air. 
<laughs> it's absolute madness. Absolute madness. Super unsafe. And I, if I could, I would spend every New Year's the rest of my life there. Oh, it's such an amazing experience. But nothing happened to you. Like, you were not burned. You didn't have any bad experiences. <laughs> You're fine. You're still in one piece. Yes. Ironically, I have a scar on the back of my leg because I went back to Banos in the summer when they were doing the Harvest Festival, at which time they have a parade of bulls walking down the street, pulling behind them sleds that are like flat on the ground filled with hay and people sitting on them. These are full-grown bulls. And leading the bulls is either an adult or a kid, like a 10 or 11-year-old kid with a switch leading mm -hmm. a full-grown bull down the street. Well, again, they're setting off fireworks. I'm standing on a corner watching this. Somebody lights a firework, it shoots up, hit a telephone wire, perfect timing, drops straight down behind me. I had no idea what was happening. Everybody around me scattered, and I was what, what, what? Boom, firework went off. <laughs> Cut the back of my leg in like six places like oh. shrapnel. <laughs> they just pulled me into a fight. Again, this is Ecuador. In the U.S., if you did this, you would sue the guy who did it, the guy who sold him that. You would, they would insist on calling an ambulance, take you to the hospital. That would cost you, man, eh, two to three thousand dollars just for the ride to the hospital. A very nice person took me into a pharmacy. They took me to a back room in the pharmacy. They poured some antibiotic on me. <laughs> they put some bandages on me. Yeah. I tried to pay for the bandages and antibiotic. They said no problem. And I was out the door in 10 minutes. <laughs> that was it. Efficient, right? Yeah. Very efficient, super kind. Uh, yeah. If I have to sum up Ecuador, I would say I would say that experience better than anything else sums up Ecuador, which is very dangerous, incredibly wonderful people mm -hmm. willing to help you through the danger. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's absolutely Ecuador through and through. Mm -hmm. Let's just dig a bit into that because... I think it's good for people to understand what is what happened or what is okay, what is not okay, and how you felt it was dangerous without being like exaggerating. Sure, no, like, no, I won't. Like, I, yeah. the, the nice thing is I don't have to exaggerate. Yeah, <laughs> just um, say the, the truth. The bad thing is I don't have to exaggerate. Yeah. Uh, South America is a dangerous place. I have friends in many countries. It's by nature just a dangerous place. Mm. Ecuador is one of the safest, but still... The third day I was in Ecuador, I was walking back to the, the night around 10 o'clock at night. One of the, they call it Gringolandia because it's the place with all the nightclubs where all the foreigners go to hang out. That's where my hotel was. I went down the street to get an empanada. I was walking back to my hotel, 10 o'clock at night, lots of people around, traffic in the street. I remember looking down at the ground and seeing sh like shadows all over the place and thinking, Wow, what's going on with those shadows? Somebody grabbed me from behind, pulled me like just off the sidewalk into the shadows. He held me behind. Another man was going through my pockets on my right side. Another man was going through my pockets on my left side, trying to get, you know, pulled out my wallet, looking for anything else. In this time, I remember thinking to myself two things. One, if they were going to kill me, they probably would have killed me by now. 
They wouldn't keep me alive this long and then go through my pockets. So if they were going to stab me or shoot me, they would have done it by now. Two, I really should have learned to say help in Spanish before <laughs> I got there. Yes. I had no idea. For the record, it's ayudame. <laughs> Just so you know, one of the first Spanish things I learned afterwards. Um, they got my wallet. They got my, you know, my credit card, my, I had cash in my other pocket. I was maybe 20 meters from my hotel. I got back to my hotel with one flip-flop on, didn't know where my other flip-flop was. Uh, tried to explain to them with no Spanish. They went out immediately. And again, very dangerous, but the people are wonderful. Even people in the street who saw it. They came back with my wallet, with my license, with all but one of my credit cards. Um, they kept my money. That's all the crooks wanted was my was my money. Yeah. Um, Do you think this is what made you stay for so long after? Because you you on your third day there, and you still stayed for two years. My fourth day there, I spent in bed in my hotel sort of curled up thinking, what have I done? What have I got myself in for? And it really was a thing of like, are you going to go back or are you going to get past this and learn from this? Um, and I've, I actually, when I moved to my apartment, my one of my roommates there was robbed exactly the same way by the same people in the same area beforehand. My other roommate was outside of our apartment was held up at gunpoint outside of our apartment. So, right, this is, I don't know a single person over 18 who hasn't been robbed, mugged, or held up at knife point or gunpoint. So, when you're thinking about living abroad, what, what made you, uh, what were the benefits of being in Ecuador, you know, because, like, on safety, like, safety level, like, it's, not, it's not as the same as in America or in Canada. Or right. Well, here's the thing. It's really not that bad. You just have to become aware. Ah. You just have to, yes. I was totally unaware. So the I was caught in it. Now, right? even here in China, where it's super safe, and it's now been eight years since I was mugged that first yeah. night, even now, if I'm walking down the street in the evening or at night, and I see a shadow come up behind me, I have a little bit of panic. I hold, I get my key and I hold it between my hand like I can use that as a weapon. And I have a little bit of fright. And then I feel stupid because I'm like, this is China. Nothing's going to happen to you. But still, that's in me. I used to, if I was walking home, even like 4 o'clock on a Sunday when most of the city shuts down. But it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And every weekend I would go to the park and spend my day in the park. And I want to talk about the park because it's one of the reasons I love Ecuador. But walking home, every street I turned onto to get home from the park, I would look down the street, see who's there, see what stores are open, so that if there was somebody walking towards me, I could stop in front of a store that's open, or if it was on the other side, walk to the other side of the store, or just evaluate, constantly evaluate everything, and do that, every, and that's four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and there are very few people on the street, but that's the time when you might get robbed. Monday through Friday, 4 o'clock, you're fine. You don't have to do that. But it's just a matter of becoming 
very, very aware of your surroundings and what's happening around you. So what would be the inner rules of like getting aware of your surroundings? Like, is there any other rules that we should know if you move to Ecuador? Uh, stay in lighted areas. And I would say this in any South American country, because I've, again, I've been to Colombia, I've been to Brazil. I have friends in Venezuela, in Argentina, uh, and they will say the same thing. Um, don't go, don't go any place where you might be the only person there where nobody else can see you. Mm, yeah. So even if it means if you're walking on a street and there's and there's people coming towards you and you get a bad feeling about them, walk in the street. Because at least if you're walking in the street, another car can, a car can come along and that will be something where they can't pull you into a doorway or something like that. Uh, and everybody, I know everybody does this because sometimes I'd be walking down the street just happy as can be, a little fast, and I notice the per as I approach the person in front of me from behind, they jump startled. And I felt like, saying, no, 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 I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to. I swear. But it, yeah, it's just how everybody is. You never see cars parked on the side of the road after seven o'clock every car is in every every house has a gate a locked gate a gated driveway mm. uh, if you see cars on the street there's somebody sitting in the car sleeping in the car uh you just don't you just don't leave it out there because it's an invitation for somebody to break into it so it's an invitation it's it's amazing how how regular that is, you know, and how, if I think the kids just sort of learn it. It's not something that they have to be told. It's just, they learn it at the foot of their parents, of how they're looking around and what they're doing. So it's just understandable. It's not, they don't look at it as when I ask them about it, they don't look at it. as like, Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. They yeah. just, they just, it'd be like, if you say, when you go to the supermarket in Ecuador, the eggs are on the shelf. When you go to the supermarket in the U.S., and I think Canada, the eggs are refrigerated. Yes. Right? Yes. So the first time you're in a supermarket in Ecuador, and you're like, what do they do with all these eggs on the shelf? They're all going <laughs> to get sick and die. You know, it's that bizarre. But for Ecuadorian children, it's not that big a deal. No. And that's what that, that violence, that one-on-one -on -one mugging and criminality, it's just like that. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is just part of life here. This is just something you have to be aware of. You don't, you know. Would Ecuadorian uh, children like walk alone, like in the street, or like they would, or they would always like walk two by two, or three by three? I know, like in Morocco, women always like usually work two, like they walk two by two. They don't go out alone right. too often. It's not a thing. Right. So, um, you generally don't see kids out alone after a certain hour. Okay. It's definitely a. You know, they're with family and they're doing things like that. It's not that big a deal because I, the other thing is, I think, when I say I don't know anyone over 18 who hasn't been robbed of mud, I, I can't think of any of my students who were attacked in all the years I was there. So, again, there's that standard, you don't go after kids. Yeah. You okay. only go after the adults. Well, yeah. because they have the money too. Like, what, what do the kids have? Like, oh, give me your gum. I want to chew that 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 chewing gum. You know, just like it doesn't make sense. But yeah, you're right. I I want to know. Oh, I have a question. I ask. I love this question. What makes a good teacher? 
Oh. Or a good coach, because you've been you've been teaching for like many, many, many years. And between us, I don't think of myself as a teacher. I think of myself as a coach. Ah. So okay. I, I I learned more about teaching from coaching than I did coaching from teaching. Interesting. So. Uh, it's very easy. Oh, can you just tell us what do you what do you coach? Okay, um, I, I'm certified to coach uh, soccer, football, soccer, uh, ice hockey, swimming, skiing, snowboarding, and then I've also taught like I could teach tennis, badminton, racket sports, golf, um, but yeah, that's what I have my certifications in. Excellent. So that's what I made my living in doing all those things, and then. I got to the point where I said, I think it's time for me to have a job where if it rains, I don't get wet, which means <laughs> moving indoors. Yeah. Uh, that's so that's when I started teaching English as a, as a foreign language. So, uh -huh. yeah. okay. um, but in all of those, it's always the same, which is this. If your student feels comfortable making mistakes, if your student likes the classroom, likes the class, likes the environment, if your student is having fun, they will want to get better. So whatever you can do to make the student enjoy themselves, your, your work is done. Then you just have to guide them about the next thing to learn because they'll push themselves to learn that. Yeah. So that's it. Oh, everything I do is based around that. I want them. I want my students to look at somebody in the class having fun and laughing and joking with me, and think to themselves, "I want to be able to do that. How do I get better so I can do that?" Mm. Yeah. You know? um, and then I'm happy to help them get to that point. So it's really to set up an environment where they want to improve, not where you have to encourage them to improve. Yeah. Do you think it, it was challenging in Ecuador to get them to that point or it was like pretty easy? Uh, no, Ecuador was super, super easy yeah. to do that. Uh, yeah, the kids, it was a elementary school, so like I said, it was fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And then later I started teaching second grade too, just speaking. Uh, but with them all, you, if you say we're going to do the alphabet, and just come up with words that have, you know, words that start with A. And you go around the room and a kid goes, Apple. Now, if I'm a teacher and you, and you go, okay, I want words that begin with A. And the kid goes, Apple. And you go, okay, Apple. Okay, anything else? Anything else? And somebody's trying to think of something. And they go, ananas. And you go, yes. Now, if you go, no, that's Spanish. I want English words. That kid's never going to talk to you again. Yeah. So all you do Shame. is you go, yeah. right, all you do is you go, yes, ananas, that's a word that begins with A, but it's not an English word. Does anybody know what ananas is in English? And somebody will say pineapple, and you go, right, excellent, Nico. Over here with P, pineapple. Now you've done all these things. You, The kid who got it right got praise, so everybody else in the room is like, ooh, I want to get it right, so I get praise. The kid who made a mistake wasn't told you're wrong, was told you're right, you gave me a word with A. But it's not what I'm looking for. So mm -hmm. you put the responsibility of the mistake on yourself. Now the next time, that kid's not afraid to make a mistake again. Mm -hmm. He's willing to take that chance again because he wasn't humiliated for making a mistake. So just by doing that, just by encouraging, 
the kids all wanted to learn. They see English, they watch movies, they watch English movies, they listen to English songs. So they wanted, kids especially, want to learn English. And really my job was just giving them an environment where they could use English. That's easy, pretty difficult to do. Well, people make it so difficult, but I feel like, would you rather compliment someone or tell, if you spend your day telling people they made mistakes, you're not going to feel good at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If you spend your day congratulating people on their progress and encouraging people, at the end of the day, you're going to feel good because you've just spent your day encouraging. Make your life easy. <laughs> Encourage your students. Right? I like this quote. <laughs> Make your life easy. Encourage your students. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I love asking this question. What makes a good teacher or coach? Yeah. But I do believe like there's a, like, a strong connection with teacher when you talk about that. Yeah. It's incredible yeah. how similar it is. It's incredible yeah. how similar it is. I think it's probably why I'm such a bad kindergarten teacher. Mm. is because when you approach it that way, it's very easy to lose control. I spend every second I'm with kindergarten kids thinking, at any moment, I'm going to totally lose control of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes a second, right? Uh, all yeah. it takes is a second. One word, one thing, and you're like, yeah, I've lost them for the next 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I have incredible respect for people with, who teach kindergarten, preschool, because it's something that I'm, I've just never been able to quite master. You have to be so patient, right? And it's oh, my like gosh. And, yeah. and speak to them in a, in a way that's creative and yet doesn't talk down to them, but is easy for them to understand. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially when like, teaching a second language, for example, if you're teaching English, having all of this attitude and being positive and having the kids not understanding is is also a great challenge yeah. to overwhelm oh, yeah. and to, yeah. But it's it, it's worth it. It's worth it. Like, thank you to all of the kindergarten teachers. Oh, they're amazing. Of the world. Amazing. Yes, I agree with you. I agree oh. with you. I like to hear about your, you have like always like funny stories about Ecuador and, um, and your life out there. So I can give you the choice in between um, two categories of stories. And then I can give you one word and just to inspire you to create a story. <laughs> and then if you have nothing, we'll just go with a story you like, okay? Uh, okay. Uh, but I just like to create stuff like that. So it's, it's more interesting. Okay, so you either go with my biggest mistake and uh, the other one could be track the fact would be, so my biggest mistake, something you understand, right. I don't know. Right. Okay. And the track the fact could be, okay, so this is a fact that I knew before going to Ecuador and then I learned something out of that. Was it true? Was it not? Uh, was it a lie? What is all real? Uh, let's, let's, let's see and think about that. And your suggestion uh, would be blue. Blue. Like the color blue. As a political science major, I'm <laughs> going to spin this into my thing. You go, you go. And I will say, because it's one of my favorite stories, and it's one of my favorite stories of teaching, and I will encourage it in blue because it involves a game that involves blue. Oh! Which is this. Famously, I do not... I, I spent six months speaking Spanish, and even then, when I had to talk to the parents who didn't speak English, I would speak Spanish, and then my student would translate my Spanish to real Spanish, 
so that their parent could understand. <laughs> and then their parent would answer in Spanish and I could sort of understand it. So okay. that's how bad my language is. Okay. But, and it's the same for Arabic, for Chinese, you know, yeah. those were all over the world. Yeah. I, so I always encourage my students, English, English, English. You can, when I say, you know, when they're in the classroom, even if it's something as simple when I'm calling attendance and you say, yo, and I'm like, wait, is that yo, I, or yo, like, yo, here I am. Yo, I, don't say that. You have to say here. Okay. Yeah. So I walked into class, uh, third grade classroom, and because I was moving around. I didn't have my own classroom. And I'm always on these kids. Always English, always English, always English. So I walk into the classroom, and there were the, all the kids, eight kids sitting on the floor playing cards. And I said, uh, okay, guys. Let's go. Time for class. And um, Daniela, who's an amazing student, great English, wonderful kid. And she said, please, teacher Tim, please, can we keep playing? And I said, no, it's time for class. And she said, but, but this helps us. And I said, how does that help your English? And she said, because we're playing one. And I was like, one? And I said, Oh, they were playing Uno. <laughs> Everybody in the world knows it's Uno. Oh, but she okay. was so into always English, always English, always English. That she so my insistence that you always have to speak English got her to take the actual name of that card game. Yeah. We're playing one. All right, you can play for five more minutes just because you made it English. Oh, was... So funny. Okay, and then um, before we, we go, five tips or like three or two, uh, what are the steps if you want to go and like teach to Ecuador? What would be for you the steps to okay. consider and do? Number one, most important, most definitely, get TEFL certification. Ah, uh, yes. Get TEFL certification, and if at all possible, do it at a school don't do it online go practice it you'll have actual students if you have TEFL certification you will not spend more than three days looking for work uh, uh, that's that holds everything and so, if you have the like the teaching license you're teaching, fine right yeah if you have a regular okay, teacher's yeah. license that's fine too um, you prepare ahead of time uh, learn some Spanish <laughs> Just as Help. you did, yeah. <laughs> Very important. Very important. Um, I hate to say this, but don't trust anyone until you see them. So if you're thinking of going to Ecuador, plan to stay in a hotel for two or three weeks, uh, one or two weeks, so that when you see an apartment, you can go to the apartment, look at it, make sure it's okay. Because... It's easy to get scammed. That's my advice for any country, but yes. especially so many people. But if you're there, if you budget that way, everything will be great. Mm -hmm. um, so I know it seems weird to go down without a place to live, but that I, I feel like my thing worked out well because I found a place to live. And then I started looking at the schools around where yeah. I lived. That way your commute is easy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... you. I guarantee you're going to be able to find a school where you enjoy teaching. Mm -hmm. Finding a place to live is more challenging. Yeah. So first find a place to live, then find a place to teach. Yeah. Uh, if, you're tra if you're thinking to travel, you will be good. Mm. 
And also sometimes the school that will hire you, sometimes they can provide like an accommodation as well. So exactly. that can be like part of the deal. And usually they kind of like know where you should like live, the area, the neighborhood, and yeah, if it's close enough and stuff. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that would be my third thing. Uh, my fourth thing is uh, make friends if you're in Ecuador. Make friends with Ecuadorians. Oh, they're I wonderful love this. People. Yes, they're they're great. They want to be. I, I am still close to pretty much every family of my students. You know, from my that I had my last year there. Uh, every family, every student, I am close to. Uh, because that's just how Ecuador is, you know. Um, you will not, you will be embraced by the community. Uh, the security guard, the lady at the store, the, everybody around there, they want to be friends with you. Oh, that's um, great so if you smile, you say thank you, you say please, you, you will have no trouble mm -hmm. fitting in like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my last advice is if, you, if you're going to Ecuador, and you want to work there, just be safe. Mm. Be safe. Because it can, if, you, if you're not careful, you can have a horrible time. If you are careful, very quickly you get used to it, and then you're going to have a wonderful time. Yeah. So talk to the people around there. They know. Uh, it's easy to find the guides on what you should do, what you shouldn't do. There's too many to talk about. Now, yeah, yeah. but um, follow those guides. They're there for a reason. They're not too obtrusive. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that will make your time there wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, if, if there's anything you want to say, like anything, free speech um, uh, for the last, and then we will conclude this amazing interview. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim Perry. I have nothing to say. It was great to talk with you. It's yeah. it's so good. Um, yeah. By the way, I don't know if other people know this, but when I talk about kindergarten teachers, yeah. you set the role model. You set the level for me for kindergarten teachers. I've probably <laughs> seen you teach kindergarten made me realize I could never be a good kindergarten teacher. Oh, because really? I, no, legit. I could never reach that standard. So, um yeah, and I miss not getting a chance to teach with you and not yeah. getting to steal your ideas. Anytime, you know, we can, we can still exchange ideas and yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. This was wonderful. Like and we can talk yeah. about, we need to get together and talk about some yeah, other things. Exactly. Other time. In Guangzhou. Oh, Guangzhou. <laughs> Guangzhou, China. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time, everyone. I hope you had a really good good listening time, whatever, with, uh, with Tim and Dana. Yeah. yeah. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye.